Yes, that's right. Nothing but Netflix is back this week to talk about DB Cooper. Where are you? The search for the mysterious 1971 plane hijacker DB Cooper. And now here's a man who is never called DB. Here he is, the great Chappelle. Chappelle, how are you? Rob, I am feeling good today. Yeah, oh, I good. I really am. Yeah, yeah. This is a good day for me. Um, I'm excited. I've never heard of this person. I didn't know anything about this. Uh, Netflix has now presented this to us, and so I'm very excited to talk to you about it. I guess it's been 50 years since this whole thing popped yes. off, and so we got a lot of ground to cover today, Rob. Yes, DB Cooper. Where are you? Good name, bad name. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a bad name, yeah. honestly. Uh, were they going Scooby to be like, Scooby, Scooby Dooby Doo? Where are you? Is that what it is? Right. And if they were, then that's that's a uh, dicey territory. You don't want to step on the toes of the Scooby Doo people because mm-hmm. uh, we're we're a strong bunch. Brian Scally will burn you down, you yeah. know. And so, um, I mean, I, I was shocked that they called it. This. Yeah, the DB Cooper case is a little bit like a Scooby Doo mystery in that, like, uh, that DB Cooper is like a mysterious, shadowy figure, and I guess they're trying to unmask him and see, like, uh, wait, it was. Robert Rackstraw the whole time. And he would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids yes. and that puppy, right? Yes. Um Yeah, this is interesting, but I don't know. It doesn't it, for me it doesn't have the same appeal as like a good tight Scooby Doo movie or like television right. show, you know. Not a great where name. you get like no, 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 no. You don't have like the red herrings that you have. You just have a ton of misdirection here. Mm-hmm. And we really don't know at this point what we're even looking for anymore. Uh, Rob, I lost the plot about halfway through this. <laughs> yeah. Are we looking for D.B. Cooper or are we just trying to discredit certain people? <laughs> because there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about this. Uh, that I think this is something that uh, Mari and Sarah touch on a lot on crime scene of did it need to be four episodes for this? No. No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. <laughs> this was way too long. Uh, you could have yada yada a bunch of this. But I think for like a series, they did a good job of like making it cohesive and really drawing it out and using all four episodes. But if you just wanted to tell this story, it could have been like an hour and a half, like one little, you know, hour 15 mini documentary type situation. But this is what we have and this is what we're going to talk about. Okay. So... What do you think of my proposed name? Uh, what do you think about hanging with Mr. Cooper? I I do like that. I do like that hang gliding with Mr. <laughs> Cooper, gliding? maybe. Hanging with D.B. <laughs> I don't Cooper. know if you use the hang gliding. Yeah, yeah with D.B. Cooper. I, I, yeah, I appreciate that. I think it's been done as well, but I don't think those people are very attached to the property. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, what do you think if, if they had uh, Old Dirty Bastard as the... Um, narrator so it could be odb talks about db cooper yeah odb on db (laughs) shimmy shimmy y'all shimmy yeah shimmy yay (laughs) 
<laughs> all right. So uh, we're going to talk about all that here. So, uh, I saw a lot of people really enjoyed our look into Netflix's Who Wants to Build a Sex Room? <laughs> How to Build a Sex Room. Yeah. Yeah. No, who wants to build a sex room? Uh, no. Yeah. I think a lot of people liked it because I think the title of that one is like intriguing, but it also feels a little scandalous. So yeah. it makes you not want to click it. Like people like me, we're always going to click that link. Mm-hmm. But some people are going to be like, no, maybe it's going to be too vulgar or uh, or maybe, you know, a little risque for my taste. But since you and I went in and we talked about it with Puya and talked about how tasteful it was, it was. Yeah. And we, I even got the follow from Melanie Ruth Rose herself. You did? Uh, yeah, she followed me on Twitter. I've been trying to get her what? to come on. I've been like, yeah, her at Melanie Ruth Rose follows me. It's crazy, Did right? I get a follow uh, or just you? I don't know. It's probably just me. <laughs> wow. The, yeah, the she host? followed like of... the, the host. Yeah. Did so you I get a DM a good also? Job. Like, hey, Chappelle, no. if you're looking for a uh, a room. <laughs> I was more looking for like the inside scoop. I thought she was going to like preparing to answer the questions that we had. Who's paying for all of this? Uh, some follow up on some of the couples. I, I might do the DM slide and just see if she's interested in coming on and maybe for a special nothing but Netflix giving us some insight into the show. Mm, okay. Wow. This is incredible. Chappelle. Yeah. I, in my mind, we're friends, but she has not engaged with me since she uh, has followed me. So I'm like, are you doing it's this for Cloud Melanie Ruth game Wells? of cat and mouse. <laughs> the seduction. Yeah, it's like, I guess. I mean, it's working because I do want to slide in her DMs to be like, hey, mm-hmm. come talk to us about the show. Yep. Um, so if she's down, I'm down, but we'll have to see. She's tapped you on the shoulder and run away. And now the cat has become the mouse. Yeah. I have to see what the, what is it? The, um, the flogging is about like she's like the theoretical flogging podcast in a podcast sense. <laughs> yeah. She's adding some pain to the situation. Okay. All right. Um, DB Cooper, where are you? So um, interesting that I feel like that you are uh, a bit of a historian. I feel like that you are knowledgeable in many areas. I'm surprised that you haven't even heard of DB Cooper. No, I'm only a historian when it comes to things that don't matter. So mm-hmm. TV shows. Well, they put this movies. right at the top of the list. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that's that is true. That is true. But I think this is very important to a lot of people. So of course it wouldn't mean anything to me. Um but I was shocked. I had no clue what this was. Yeah. Like I went in completely blind and I said, Oh, this is the thing that happened. Like when you start talking about skyjackings with uh the airplanes, I'm thinking, Oh well, how did how didn't I know about this? Yeah. But I, I think it's cultural. So <laughs> I personally, I, I think I probably didn't know anything about D.B. Cooper either until I was, um, th- you know, very much down the rabbit hole of watching Mad Men. And I'm not sure if you mm. ever absorbed any of that. Um, but there I was did, like, every episode. Yeah, there was like a popular fan theory that Don Draper was actually going to be D.B. Cooper. That's where it was all going. And sort of, I think that's sort of like the the central part of the theory was like in the opening title sequence. Um, the falling, yeah, Don Draper's like falling out of the like, or the like, the silhouette is sort of like falling out of the skyscraper. And you know, um, certainly, like if you take a look at that profile picture, like I think you can sort of squint and see uh, Don Draper as being that person. And then sort of like ultimately like the show leading to like 1971 is right around the time like that Mad Men 
uh, ends as a series. And so I think a lot of people thought that like, ooh, this is going to be like how uh, like the ultimate ending of Mad Men, which probably would have been better than the ultimate ending of Mad Men. Oh, definitely yeah. would have been better. Yeah. Like, I, I know they were pissed. Like, is he not even going to jump from the plane? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that last episode of Mad Men was a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I didn't know anything about this. And I do think that you probably could like make a bunch of theories about who this person is because what I do learn from this docuseries uh, is that D.B. Cooper could be any average white man mm-hmm. because it was just like, that was the appeal. The the sketch drawing and the descriptions that they had were just like um, kind of tall, uh, average build white man with brown eyes. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, could it be Don Draper? Maybe. I mean, I mean, we can't prove that it wasn't. Yeah. So yeah, until the last episode, I'm sure somebody was waiting on him to jump out of a plane. So for the uninitiated who don't know the legend of D.B. Cooper, uh, day before Thanksgiving, 1971, a man uh, who goes by the name of Dan Cooper boards a flight. Uh, and where's it going? Is it uh, Portland to Seattle? Yeah, quick old jump. Just Portland to Seattle. Probably a 45-minute flight. Mm-hmm. So really quick flight. Gets on the uh, the airplane, hands the flight attendant a note. Um, and they talked about how, you know, these flight attendants probably got like, you know, uh, 30 notes a day from people, uh, that were probably, uh, very inappropriate. Um, she just pockets the note and, and like, uh, that it's hilarious to think that DB Cooper, it's a very short flight. It's like, Hey, read the note. <laughs> like TikTok, <laughs> we got to move here. <laughs> I'm trying to hijack this plane. I only got 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He gives her the note, she pockets it, and then he's like, no, I need you to look at the note and then sit next to me. So she's kind of like, oh, okay. She looks at the note and finds out that there's a bomb on the plane. DB has a bomb, and um, he's demanding $200,000 and four parachutes. And so now the plane is being hijacked. Yeah. Or skyjacked for that. Right. Um, and so, uh, and again, I didn't know like uh, the exact uh, particulars of the story. Um, I, I thought that he like uh, I'm like well how do they, they don't have, they don't have the money on the plane no they so then they go and they land the plane they let all the passengers off they get him the money and the parachutes they have the plane refuel and take off again with just like the pilots and a couple of the flight attendants on board and then he instructs the uh, flight crew to get down to under ten thousand feet at under two hundred miles an hour. And he drops down the aft staircase and then ultimately parachutes out of the plane with the 200K never to be seen or heard from again. Right. And for context, 200K back then was like a million dollars. And so, mm-hmm. uh, which even still is not a lot of money. Um, but like, you know, 200K back then was, I guess, worth hijacking a small plane. Um, also to remember back then, the airline industry was very different. Uh, there was no TSA. So someone sure. could, this was not something that wasn't completely, like this wasn't completely out of the question. It could happen and it did. Uh, and he's gotten away with it, never to be seen again. And people have been speculating for the last 50 some odd years what exactly happened? Who is D.B. Cooper? Where's the money? You know, how did he pull this off? Were there any partners? And it's led and become a life of its own. Like, it's it's bigger than the actual heist at this point. Yeah. Back in the old days when plane hijackings were quaint and romanticized, <laughs> uh, that's where D.B. Cooper became like a cult hero. People loved D.B. Cooper, who his name was Dan Cooper. It was like mistakenly reported 
in the newspaper as being DB Cooper. And then everybody's like, oh, that's that's way more cool. Uh, he just let's just <laughs> call him DB Cooper, even though that wasn't his name. Yeah, D.B. Cooper does sound like a superhero's name or mm-hmm. like a supervillain or something like that. Dan Cooper sounds like the person who like was fueling the plane, you know. <laughs> and so um, they it was an alias, obviously. Um, but back then, you didn't need a lot of like ID and stuff, especially for this f- short flight, mm-hmm. Portland to Seattle. We're like, OK, whatever. Let's, so you're not who you say you are. You're just trying to get up the street 45 minutes. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, jumps out the plane. And the legend has been born, right? So everyone's trying to figure out who is D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper, where are you? Yeah. Um. Do you think it's interesting that D.B. Cooper became such a cult hero for, uh, you know, all, I mean, it's interesting, like, nobody got hurt. Nobody, w- nobody was yeah. killed uh, in the case. He got away with the money. I think people felt like uh, he's like, uh, oh, he stuck it to the airline industry. Yeah, he's basically like the Robin Hood of the airline industry. He's stealing from them and giving it to himself, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's why people could latch onto the story because it's almost a victimless crime. You know, he stole the money. Nobody was hurt. No, Like, everybody's fine. And it gives just a fun thing to talk about, you know, and a good mystery story. So again, this was um, like a very unassuming white gentleman. And so, you know, they were looking at him as somebody like, I could be like that too. Representation matters. And so it's like, me, the average white man, could just walk in, steal his plane, steal $200,000, get away with it, not hurt anybody, and go on and live my normal life. And then people, and be a person of legend, you know? And so I think it really spoke to that romanticized idea of this could be me too. Mm-hmm. Well, it could not have been me. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, had, had he not been a, a white man stealing this plane in 1971, you wonder, like, would the reaction have been very different? Would we have had uh, TSA in 1972 uh, if it was not? In 1970, like, so this was November 1971. TSA would have been, yeah, a thing by December. By Christmas, you would have had to take off your shoes to go through <laughs> this airport security. It would have been a whole thing. But nope, D.B. Cooper does this, gets away with it, and we decide, no, nah, we'll wait another 40 years before we explore air co- airport security. Yeah, because he... Um, a man had a bomb <laughs> on a plane. Do you think, and it's not really ever explored, do you think that uh, he actually had a bomb or do you think it was a prop bomb? They said they saw six street, six sticks of dynamite. Now, I don't know where you could purchase dynamite today, <laughs> like mm-hmm. a stick of it, like like almost like an Acme product. But they said he had it. So, I mean, I guess. I, I mean, there's no like, reason for me not you know, it'd be like a prop. It could have been, but what, what would be the utility of that? I mean, I don't know. Like, if you, if you know that you, like, the, you know, it's like a thing, like, if you were going into a bank, uh, you don't necessarily need to have a gun. You just need to, have, like, have people think you have a gun. Yeah, but Rob, this is America. You could get a gun. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it'd be different if it was something that's h- hard to obtain. Now, obtaining a bomb might have been harder. So, you know, and, or might have created like a paper trail or something, you know, because a lot of times people say, oh, well, somebody came to this bomb shop and purchased the thing. Or maybe it was that guy. So maybe, maybe you're right. It could have been a dummy bomb. But honestly, yeah, the days of like coming in like this is a stick up and your hand is underneath your shirt. That's probably over yeah. with. Just, just bring and what happened gun. to his bomb? He left it on the on the plane. I guess he jumped with it. I don't know. He jumped with it. Yeah, he had the briefcase. Yeah. um, You know, you got to be careful with dynamite. I I mean, I guess as long as you don't like light it, is that how it works? Do you just like, uh, is there a timer? I I don't know. Like, I feel like that the dynamite needs to be handled (laughs) carefully based on like TV and movies that I've seen. 
Right. You don't want to just like fling the briefcase around too too haphazardly because you it might it might detonate. Now, but I guess once you jump out of a plane, you just kind of throw it and just go on about your day. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he held on to it. I mean, they weren't able to find any remnants of this. They found some of the money, allegedly, um, and they might have found a piece of the parachute. But after a while, Rob, I think the evidence all just started to point to that nobody really knew and that everybody was trying to make um, make this stuff. Uh, make sense you know they were trying to find little shards of evidence that probably were inconsequential but to the lore and to the the you know the whole mythology of db cooper we just have to make it mean something right we have to have a breadcrumb that will lead us to the ultimate um conclusion that db cooper is out there and we know who he is Mm -hmm. but we don't okay so the film doesn't so much then tackle the you know uh life of db cooper or what happened because nobody knows uh it really Mm -hmm. ends up following the lives of uh, the people obsessed with the case uh and we Mm -hmm. meet a lot of people Chappelle, who have uh dedicated their basically their entire lives to chasing db cooper and ultimately like i found it a little sad yeah yeah, they start telling the story and even one of the main narrators throughout, I believe his name was, was it Tom? Tom Colbert. Uh, yeah, Tom Colbert. His intro into this story is, yes, I've been looking for D.B. Cooper and reading about this and trying to write about it. He's an author. Uh, he says, I've been searching up for this man for 10 years, over 10 years, and it started to affect my family, but we dedicated to finding the truth together. And I'm like, wait, you dragged your family into this and you know, like with the amount of money he spent on the investigation and the amount of time and, you know, a publicity that comes with something like this, um, that it's probably driving a wedge between him, his wife. And if, if he has any kids, uh, it's probably affecting them too, yeah. but that's where they start. And so I'm like, Oh man, this is about to get right. dark. It really doesn't. It just, like you said, it's it kind of sad where it's like, if you could just let this go, yeah. you might be able to live a happy I life. Mean, you can relate to uh, what this is like because for years and years, uh, you've been chasing down any evidence uh, related to the case of was Helen pushed on Big Brother 15? Mm-hmm. And then uh, even this past week, Helen came out uh, and said like, hey, everybody, just so you know, uh, I wasn't pushed. That wasn't, you know, I just, I wish, I, I, I just fell. and And still... You said no. This is th- th- she's lying. She's what's the cover up? She, and, she, and she is. Helen was pushed, and it's right there. It's clear. It's obvious. I, I think it's funny too that people like Helen and DB Cooper they they have these moments where like it's very clear that there's foul play, but then they just try to lead us on these wild goose chases. I mean, throughout this film itself, we see uh, one character who is accused of being DB Cooper so much. But he never even denies it. He's just like, maybe I could be, maybe I'm not. <laughs> like, Helen has some gall to just be like, no, I wasn't pushed. Like, Helen, don't lie. Just like, we understand. We understand. We, they paying you good money. They probably have you like, like some type of allowance or something like that. Some stipend that you get mm-hmm. every year by like, we're trying to shut this down. But we're going to get to the bottom of this, Helen. Yeah. Honestly, that's the next one we need to cover. Was <laughs> Helen pushed or not? Get a crime scene going. Yeah. We need that. Yeah. So, it's interesting the db cooper saga because db cooper became such a household name that you know people are looking for the real db cooper but then there's also a lot of people who then claim that they're db cooper so you have a lot of people looking for Mm -hmm. stuff and then a lot of people 
also over the years have said, yeah, I, I was DB Cooper. It was me. It like was deathbed it was confessions me. of people being DB Cooper. <laughs> deathbed Cooper. Uh, it's uh-huh. one of those things where the, the attention is right there. You know, the clout. Imagine you being able to prove, I mean, no one can prove that it's not you. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's like, oh yeah, well, it, it was me. And it's like, you have to find the evidence to say, okay, well, we can't. I mean, like, how did you do it? And everybody knows the lore. They know the stories. So you could be like, yeah, it was me. I jumped out the plane. That's how it happened. But uh, these these super sleuths on the Internet and just out here in the world who are doing the real hard hitting journalist journalism, um, they are um, they are refusing to take that as like an admission. Like they need to see some hard evidence. Uh, they need to do some code breaking. Uh, they need to find some DNA or something because this case is too precious to them to just take anybody's uh, admission. Um, you know, so I don't know. A lot of people were saying it, but I don't think everybody was lying. I don't think DB Cooper would ever come out and just be like, it was me. I think it, I think it's going to uh, die with DB. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the case was uh, 50 years ago. DB Cooper was not a kid when this happened. And so a uh, very real chance that DB Cooper uh, is passed away and uh, we will never get the answers uh, to this case. It's interesting also that you know we heard from so many different people who have such strong feelings about it. You hear a lot about confirmation bias also, like the people who are like convinced of a certain thing. All the evidence that they find tends to support what they're looking for. I'm trying to remember which of the other Netflix documentaries that we watched also uh, got into this a little bit. I think it might have been uh, Trust No One, The Hunt for the Crypto King. But there was a lot of talk about like, uh, you know, this is how conspiratorial thinking happens where you know that basically like people just like keep looking and looking and looking and the more they look for things the more things they find the more they feel like it supports like the thing that they're already trying to prove yeah i mean once we got into the code breaking i i felt like we were too far off the rails you know the code breaking is really yeah when we got there i said okay yeah i might have had my attention but now i'm starting to think this is ridiculous um because they use a technique uh, like to basically like a, like an alphanumeric technique to dis- decipher different codes in, in the military. And they tried to bring that uh, English gematria uh, to this case and say, okay, well, there has to be something in these letters and in this evidence and in these court documents from D.B. Cooper um, that will connect him to our number one sus- uh, suspect, uh, Rackstraw, uh, Bob Rackstraw. And so, they're going through and they're using this system and basically they take the last line of uh, his um, his one of his court documents that says, like, tell the police it was it, uh, they, they got the wrong guy. I, I think that these um, were letters that were being sent to uh, newspapers. Uh, allegedly, D.B. Mm. Cooper sent letters to I was like, uh, like, this is weird. This is the first we're hearing about this, uh, like three episodes yeah. into this. But apparently, uh, allegedly, D.B. Cooper sent letters to the um you know authorities the fbi or something yeah the fbi had them and so they they get these documents and they 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 look at this one last and it's like you have this one code breaker guy who's like i'm determined to figure out that there's some numbers involved in this that are going to make this make sense and he looks at the last sentence and it's basically saying like tell the cops you got the wrong guy or that they still haven't caught me i'm still out here and so they do the number code and it turns out that the number code still spells out to like i am um lieutenant rackstraw they, they have the same code and because the codes are the same um 
it means that they're connected in some way. Similar to George W. Bush and John F. Kerry were connected. They had the same code number or whatever. Um, and they both ended up in the 2004 presidential election. Now, mm-hmm. this is not a foolproof system, yes. obviously, because any you could make these numbers mean anything if you wanted them to. Um, but this was like the smoking gun that everybody had lost their minds. For me, this was the nail in the coffin on the case. I was like, okay, case closed. We're, we're, we're out here grasping for straws. Right. Um- Th- that to me was just like okay, we've re- we've really lost the plot because that it it wasn't even like that they said like oh see this odd sentence like if you add up the numbers of the characters where a is one and z is twenty six like add up what all the numbers uh, add to uh, that it comes to Robert Rackstraw uh, it actually is that th- that they they claim that it's it if you add up the phrase I'm LT L- Lieutenant Robert W. <laughs> Rackstraw. That's it. Like it was like yes. it was not even like the name that you have to add the words I'm and the LT and the middle initial W. Mm-hmm. That's that's how you have to like sort of you know wordsmith this to be able to get the code to work out. Which could coincidentally, if you add up the the numbers in I am SpongeBob SquarePants, it's yes. the same thing. And so uh, we, it's pretty, pretty much at that point, like I said, you're starting to discredit yourself if this is what you're looking at as evidence. Because I'm like, now it just feels like you're reaching a little bit. And there was a lot of that going on. But this rack straw guy, he is the person who the, it seems like the majority of the um the Cooperites think uh, it could possibly be uh, D.B. Cooper. And like I said, he kind of likes to perpetuate it a little bit. Uh, he seems like he comes from an interesting past. There's some criminal background there, but also he just seems like a shady character. And every time he's confronted with this information, he's just like, I don't know, maybe I could be him, but leave me alone. And so that just uh, feeds all the people uh, just just enough breadcrumbs to keep them coming back. And so that's why his name keeps coming up in all of this uh, investigation. Let's talk a little bit about Robert Rackstraw because he is like the focus of probably like 25, uh, 30% of this whole documentary. And he is the guy that Tom Colbert, uh, Colbert, who has uh, like a really dedicated most of uh, a, a long period of his adult life and a lot of his resources to uh, saying, this is the guy. And, and we get introduced to like a bunch of different people. Like they, they thought it was this guy. They thought, they, they thought it was this guy. Uh, but Robert Rackstraw does seem to be the person who uh, has like the most um, evidence that it could be him and also acts very unusual when confronted with the fact that it, it might have been him. He was somebody he was uh, trained in uh, the army. He was in Vietnam. He did missions with the CIA. Also, uh, he comes back uh, in the uh he he comes back uh in the 70s uh after in 1971 right before the hijacking um he ends up after the hijacking uh having like a criminal record where he's doing a, a lot of stuff uh including uh bank fraud uh and then ultimately gets uh, accused of uh faking his own death and then killing his stepfather <laughs> yeah, he got accused of stealing, uh, killing uh, Philip Rackstraw, I believe was his name or something of that nature. Because, um, yeah, um, they found him shot, I think, in the back of the head, dead or something like that. And, um, yeah, and people were 
not opposed to accusing Rackstraw. Like, again, there was no hard evidence. He was actually acquitted from that crime. Uh, but, you know, it's a shady guy. And so uh, when shady stuff happens, people look at Rackstraw as their number one um, suspect a lot of times. Yeah. And so um, eventually they start to figure out, okay, maybe it's him. Uh, and, and we see a lot of the confrontation or a couple of the confrontations that we see where Tom Colbert goes to Robert Rackstraw. And as you've said, uh, Robert Rackstraw does not necessarily deny uh, at first that he's D.B. Cooper. He seems to be like, all right, let me let me like hear this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like he, he can use the attention. He's, he's been in jail. So there's a thing. He although uh, Mr. Rackstraw was acquitted, acquitted of the crime of murdering his uh, stepfather. He's been in jail for other stuff like uh, between skipping bail and uh, writing all these uh, bad checks. So he's done his time. You know, he's he's he's, um, I guess, been rehabilitated in the eyes of society. And so it's kind of like, well, why are you harassing me? But also. Uh, this is interesting information. Let's t- talk to me about it. Now, people think it's me and they are happy about that. They people like there's a fan club. There's a uh, Cooper Con coming. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, I might I might be him. Yeah. Is there any money in it? <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I think that's what has Rackstraw's attention. But they very much are harassing this man at that point. Yeah. He also then seems to not like some of this attention uh where he is claiming that he's going to sue everybody he says he's going to sue tom colbert he's going to sue uh newspaper uh uh uh, writers that are investigating the case he never does sue anybody uh he also seems to desperately not want the fbi to release information about the case like he is like uh pleading with the fbi to not divulge any information they have about him Right. And the FBI is where um, most of these shenanigans are ensuing uh, because people are tell- are asking the question, why isn't the FBI just releasing the information? What are they hiding? And they start to wonder if the FBI and Rackstraw slash D.B. Cooper are all in cahoots, if they know about it or if they're covering up something for him. Uh, and so they're not even being cooperative to the point where the FBI is the one who gets sued. Right. Well, because R- Rackstraw did missions with the CIA. Uh, that there's some of the people that feel like uh, Rackstra is the guy feel like that, oh, it's the CIA is coming in and they are blocking the FBI because they don't want it to come out what the CIA was up to. Mm-hmm. And Rackstraw was not a CIA agent, but he worked for them. Like they, they had contracted him out to fl- fly, I think, to fly some planes. Uh, so mm-hmm. people were like, "Well, obviously, if he knows where the bodies are buried with the CIA, they're not going to let the FBI, uh, you know, expose anything. Because what if he talks? You know, what if he gives away the secrets? And nobody can have that. So you know, we have to keep this buried to protect the CIA from their uh, dark underbelly or the things that they were doing back then um, with Rob- with Robert Rackstraw in their employment. So Tom Colbert, that he basically uh, got a uh, history channel documentary uh, that he was putting together <laughs> that was going to be all about Robert Rackstra. And so that this was going to really, I guess, like blow the case wide open uh, if he was going to do this documentary. And so in the documentary that the FBI was involved and the FBI then was interrogating or at least questioning one of the flight attendants that was on the plane. And they showed her a picture of Robert Rackstraw from 1971. And she says point blank, Oh no, it's not this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And this is the the thing that just completely just sinks Tom as a like as an investigator because this entire time he thought this was all I needed. The History Channel's gonna get in on this. I'm gonna have the team behind me. We're we're gonna do this. And this woman just point blank, like categorically denies, like, no, that's not him, sorry. And He's just shook because that just completely tanks the entire series. The investigation is done because you have an eyewitness saying that's not him. Now, of course, at that point, people were like, well, witness testimony is only like 50% accurate. Mm -hmm. And like, who are you going to believe me? Someone who wasn't there at all or this woman in her lying eyes. And so at that point, again, we start to really kind of discredit what's going on here. So they say, no, 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 no. The History Channel is in on it too. The FBI got yes, to the History Channel yes. and told the History Channel to bury this. Yes, yes. they don't the- want it to come out. They're getting too close. <laughs> now the History Channel is uh, getting paid off by the FBI to make sure that things don't get out and yes. that this this, this uh, case is never closed. But the FBI does close yeah, the, the FBI case. FBI says, say, okay, nope, enough, we're done. enough. And you know what? Yeah. I said, good. Close the close the case. This is too Tom, long. Go back we to spe- your family. Yeah, we spe- <laughs> like uh, like work on something else. Like how much how much yeah. resources are, dev- are are you worried? DB Cooper's going to strike again. Case closed. Right. Like oh no, he's going to skyjack one more time. Yeah. Like one last one last uh, job. Look, like nobody no, I don't died. Think can get away with it's been job. forty years. That's it. Mm-hmm. You win. It was. It was only 200K. And Tom, you've spent 200K investigating at this point. Like you've done more than 200K of labor at this point. Like you, you have, you could have just, just given the money away. <laughs> like, to, like if you just wanted the airline industry to have $200,000, you just say that mm-hmm. because you just spent it, just blew it, just doing this hunt that nobody seems to care about except you. Like the FBI is, is shut it down. It's not like there's some like, um, you know, somebody who was hurt by this or some reason why you would keep this open, at some point, just let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The D.P. Cooper case apparently is big business, Chappelle. Uh, there is an annual, uh, is it CooperCon? CooperCon, yes. And Rob, they had CooperCon in the pandemic. Wow. So these people. Yeah. Well, no, are you no, surprised? No. Listen yeah. to me. Yeah. They had, yeah, but listen, listen, we've done things in the pandemic as well. Um, yeah, he's the but, kind of person who's attracted to Cooper Khan, also <laughs> overly cautious about the COVID. Yeah. And, and like, potentially, like, um, uh, you know, interested in a uh, vaccine. Right. Yeah. Though so these people were at the Cooper Khan. Like, I think there's a lot of talk like, at the Cooper Khan. You know what's in the vaccine, right? I mean, yeah, I can even imagine if like just being in the conversations for that, you know, because mm-hmm. the CooperCon thing is is interesting because all those people are conspiracy theorists in their own right. You because know, none Cooper of them have had a, a, a timeshare in Wuhan, China. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Nicki Minaj's cousin's fiance said that DB Cooper <laughs> got the vaccine, and boy, let yeah. me tell you what happened. <laughs> you know who else had big balls? DB Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, but yeah, these people are not unified in their beliefs at the Cooper Con either. And so I can imagine there's probably a strict divide into how people were looking at the uh, COVID. Um, you know, uh, well, let's go, and, let's go. All right. Me and you. Wait, what? Let's go to CooperCon, uh-huh. November Ooh. 18th to the 20th, Portland, Oregon. You think I won't go? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here's tickets. Excuse okay. Me? Let me see. So tickets, uh, it's very reasonable. An all day pass okay. for CooperCon it might be huge this year after the documentary. 
Oh, yeah. Honestly, Rob, we might want to get on the tickets before they okay. just jack up the prices. How much is the all-day pass for Cooper Con? Hmm. Normally, these cons will charge you about $100 for like an all-day pass or something like that. It's about $100. $99. Hey! <laughs> yeah. Listen, the budget well, you is could making go- itself. So it's all all day pass, as in like you go for all days. It's like uh, not just oh. like for all of one day. You get to go for a Friday, yeah. Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. okay. Are they going to have like? Is there a panel discussion? 30, like, well, what I are don't we know. Gonna Let me see if there's what the schedule is. Uh, but it's basically yeah, it's thirty nine dollars a day. So it's thirty nine dollars for Friday, thirty nine dollars for Saturday, thirty nine dollars for Sunday. Hmm. Um, and and Rock and Rackstraw has passed away, so he won't yes. be there. Yes. So who am I going to see there? We're go- obviously going to see the people at Cooper uh, Cooper Vortex. Is that the podcast? Um, ye- probably, probably. <laughs> um, yeah. I-, I see that, that. I see that uh, person on the stage. Uh, so like yeah. in, in the picture. So basically, like the agenda is on, and there's Cooper Con every year uh, that they have the mm-hmm. whole agenda. Um, Let's see. Uh, yeah, they have like uh like from it's ten a.m. to four each day. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. I don't know. What we would do that entire time. Like, I mean, like we saw the Netflix movie. I, they could do a screening of this. Honestly, yeah. Well, they uh, talk about think- the Netflix documentary in in there. I don't know if there's a panel about the documentary. There should be, because you know, whenever something like this is released, you always have the person who's like, no, 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 they misrepresented that. And that's not how it's supposed to look. And now I have to give my side because they left this part out. Um, And so I can imagine, you know, maybe there's some hot takes coming after seeing this one as well. Um, I, You know, even when like, what what was it? Winning time, the Magic Johnson thing yeah, happened. Yeah. Everybody's like, no, that is not how it happened. Now I have to do my own version of this. And no, I have to do a version of this too. You know, this could be uh, like a, the first of many D.B. Cooper deep dives that we could get into by the time the documentary um, hits the uh, Cooper con. Right. And so there's also, yeah, D.B. Cooper podcasts, as you mentioned, that are just like ongoing talking about uh, the, the case, D.B. Cooper case. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't like, get the person's the name. Lobbies. Yeah, the what? The, what is the name of the DB Cooper podcast? It's Cooper Vortex. Okay, the Cooper Vortex, and the, the host of the Cooper Vortex talked about how that sometimes at night they think about how DB Cooper jumped out of the plane and, and then parachuted, and then they might never get to know how DB Cooper felt when db cooper touched the ground and that thought of never getting to actually know how db cooper felt keeps them awake at night mm, yeah i can imagine uh you know like again helen was pushed and yeah i lose sleep mm-hmm. sometimes you know mm-hmm. um you could follow um db cooper podcast for the Cooper Vortex to keep up with their daily updates because they're tweeting out as we speak um, things about this documentary. Yeah. Oh, wow. I bet Mm -hmm. there's a whole review about the documentary. Um, Yeah, the the Cooper Vortex, yeah, Twitter account, uh, 586 followers for uh, the Cooper Vortex. Um, Yeah, that's, you know, you might be down bad for D.B. Cooper. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Because I'm looking back, and this this podcast Twitter page is it's a few months old at the very least. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's a lot of stuff on here about the Mad Men connection. Yes. Um, I might 
I might deploy the follow. You might deploy the follow. Just I mean, imagine yeah, every I mean, week if you point. get a follow from somebody, the subject of whatever we talk about on Netflix. I want the DB Cooper podcast people to come on this podcast and tell us what we got yeah. wrong. Like, what did they give us the inside scoop? Because you know they had to leave things out of the documentary for Netflix for re- legal reason, but we don't have that issue here. At Rob has a podcast. Mm-hmm. Come on on and give us the insight. That's what we want. You know, they made it sound like the Cooper Vortex is uh, is daily. How many episodes of uh, the Cooper Vortex uh, have there been? Was it like a ser- Was it just I- a series? I don't know. I thought this was like an ongoing. They made it sound like it's you like know. you know. Hey, uh, another day. Here's the next. Here's the next episode <laughs> of Cooper Vortex. Yeah, we're, we're, sti- we're still we're still on our daily grind <laughs> doing this investigation. Yeah, like the um, Taryn Liefeed updates of DB Cooper. And I mean, you would think that's what this was, right? So I'm seeing that uh, they have a 4.8 on uh, Apple reviews out of five. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's. It seems to be doing pretty well. It's been going on at least since 2019. So, I mean, they put in the work. So, this was, yeah. it started in 2018. October 20th, 2018, I think, is the first. Uh, seems like they drop an episode I every, um, like, uh, the average probably is like uh, every, like, couple of weeks. Yeah, this yeah. Like, and I wonder what new information is coming out. Well, maybe a lot think? with this documentary. Yeah, I think these people were involved heavily in the documentary. And it says that the host are Darren Schaefer and Russell Colbert. Mm-hmm. Is this any relation to our like Tom Colbert, oh, our main investigator in this? Hmm. Yeah, I wonder. Because that would explain why Tom was willing to, like, uh, what happens after Tom uproots his entire family to do this investigation. Um, it would make sense if his son has now, like, picked up the mantle or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, well, I don't know. Let's go to CooperCon and ask these questions. I have questions. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they know Helen was pushed. <laughs> I wonder if they would entertain it. Like if I told them Helen was pushed, but they'd be like, "Well, go on. Who is this Helen?" Yeah, like, oh, tell okay. me more. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think these are the kind of people that I think would really like the Big Brother live feeds. Oh yeah, yeah. They want to investigate everything. They need to know exactly what's going on. Um, and then they're gonna take little snippets of things that might not even be related and try to, you know, shoehorn them into making sense for themselves. Um, because that's what they do. Chappelle, one of the interesting angles that I felt like that maybe was underexplored was they kick off the fourth episode of the documentary and they talk about how that the uh, character of uh, D.B. Cooper, Dan Cooper, uh, is very like the mythology of this is very closely uh, based or uh, related to a series of French Canadian comics uh, that came out where there is a superhero and he hijacks a plane and he parachutes and pulls off a very similar caper to D.B. Cooper and that there are some people who think that maybe the suspect that we're looking for uh, is not an American citizen at all, but maybe a disgruntled Canadian Air Force pilot or uh, somebody at least that worked on the air uh, in the Canadian Air Force on as like a technician for the planes. And that there was a couple of things that point in this direction, including that when the uh request for the $200,000 was passed along to the pilots that it was asked for a $200,000 in negotiable uh, U.S. currency. Mm-hmm. 
And that's just not something we Americans would have asked for, right? We've just been like, give me $200,000. But the fact that they said negotiable American currency, um, and that may, that leads you to believe that maybe it's not someone who might have English as their first language. We know this person, uh, Dan Cooper in the comics is French Canadian. And so maybe there was like a language barrier that, um, slipped out when he was requesting the money. So yeah, there's, um, some intrigue there, but that would completely go against this idea that like he's some like Vietnam bet. Um, you mm-hmm. know, from the United States, right? So they can't put too much stock into that, but they do think that maybe um, he was inspired by Dan Cooper, the comic, um, just because there's a lot of coincidences um, and, and similarities between the two. Yeah, and then additionally, uh, they also found that when they did like some sort of like DNA uh, research of like that, DB Cooper wore like a clip-on tie uh, that came off before he jumped out of the plane. Uh, and so when they did like uh, further research, I'm not sure if it was uh, DNA research, but they looked at it under a microscope and they found microscopic uh, metallic titanium pieces uh, found on Cooper's tie, uh, which is something that would not be found on a normal person's tie. And they feel like that he had to have worked uh, somewhere in aviation to have uh, had a tie that has uh, this kind of evidence on titanium particles. Right. And I'm sure that's the only place, like it's literally the only explanation you could have for having stainless steel on your tie. Not stainless Uh, steel. Uh, That uh, titanium, because it's something that is uh, primarily used around military aircraft or uh, with highly corrosive industrial plants. Mm -hmm. But that highly industrial corrosive, like that, that part too is still there. So it's like, aha, the aerospace like industry and it's like what about this other stuff no 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 this is enough this is enough to prove without a shadow of a doubt that this is exactly what happened and i'm like they never have enough and i think that's the the issue they have a lot of things that are like hmm that mm-hmm. could be a possibility but at no point do they ever have definitive proof that any of this leads to anyone and maybe to me that that sounds like that this could be like the the hottest lead that they have cuz maybe it was the most underexplored and I feel like that all these other things, eventually they get to something and like, no, no, yeah, yeah, okay, all right, it's not that. I'm out on that. But because they sort of just like, like raised this idea of like, hey, there's like, they're, they're, they laid off like uh, 500 uh, Canadian Air Force pilots and they didn't have any sort of a, any sort of a job. One of the things that really stands out to me, I'm talking about the case, is that DB Cooper knew to fly under 10,000 feet. And, uh, you know, under 200 miles an hour, like D.B. Cooper, like seemed to know a lot about, you know, uh, how to fly the airplane and what went into it. So, like, I think that he really has to be somebody that we're looking for who has that sort of experience. And I think that the fact that if this this is somebody who feels like, you know, uh, somebody who's disgruntled, uh, who feels like, hey, I'm like, uh, I'm just going to get my money. And then this is my pension, kind of like the plot of Speed One of like, hey, this is what I'm owed. This is my pension. I'm just going to take this money and then disappear. Like, uh, to me, that seems like uh, the most likely suspect in a case like this. Yeah, they only touch on it for uh, a brief second. And it does, it's, it becomes one of the theories that they don't end up discrediting on their own, right? Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things they say is that, oh, well, these these people who got 
uh, laid off, they were a part of like ground crew and stuff like that. And then maybe he was a part of like the ground crew, uh, which would explain why he would have come in contact with that titanium. And but it's like, but would that person have the knowledge of how to jump out of a plane safely? You know, um, it's like, yes, I've worked on a plane, but does that mean I can now be a parachuter from the plane too? So there's still questions there, but I think you're right. I think that's probably the one that they just touched on the least and kind of left alone because they were all so hyper-focused on proving at some point that it was Rackstraw. Mm-hmm. Chappelle, a- any other thoughts on the case of D.B. Cooper? yeah i just feel like they gotta let it go like i really do i think that like at this point the man is probably dead um people's lives have been ruined because of this now people don't this is the thing rob that made people not trust the fbi you know like there's probably a ton of other things but this was the one that really broke the public's faith with the fbi uh and so maybe we should just let sleeping dogs lie i think again no one got hurt um, he seems to, uh, if anything, just needed the money because he, at, at, at the very least, if his motive was I was disgruntled or whatever, maybe he was unemployed at some point. Um, he needed the money for that. But I don't know. I think it's become more of a hassle than it's worth. Uh, like I said, uh, for them to have invested over $200,000 in this, like, uh, what is your yeah. end game? You know, like if tomorrow, like what do you need to see at this point to prove that you're right? I mean, that would make you happy, you know? Uh, and I think they said that the lead investigator, Tom Colbert, he's moved on to other things. He's, he was doing Hoffa, um, the Zodiac. Right? Yeah. yeah, the Zodiac killer, Jimmy Hoffa. Like, he's got new things to work on. I saw a lot of Fox News reports throughout this one about it. And so it seems like he's he's now found something else to chase. But there was just so much going on. That, I think, so hurt many his people- credibility. When I heard that he's, like, uh, going to go work on the Zodiac case and Jimmy Hoffa, it's like, uh, like, uh, seems like that you are sort of drawn to a certain type of case, sir. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it looked like he kind of clout chasing just a bit, you know, like anywhere, anywhere that it seems like, okay, I might not never get an answer to this, but people are going to pay attention to me. Like, that's kind of what I want to do. Yeah. But I do think that people were discrediting this thing left and right throughout. And it's just like, once you've decided that it's true, you're going to make it make sense no matter what you have to do. Like, there's a moment in this uh, documentary I thought was really cool where they uh, are talking to the sister of of uh rack straw and they're like okay so you're a brother he fits the, des- the the description no and she's like no uh you said that he had brown eyes right like he doesn't have brown eyes what are you talking about and they're like well could they've been brownish like with like a green tint if you only kind of saw it in passing on a plane she goes yeah i mean i guess that's it's like exactly exactly so you're saying it's an identical match she's like uh sure mm-hmm. you know and so there are people who are trying to poke holes in this but once you've decided that this is the truth you're just going to make it make sense however you can so yeah. i think they, they gotta let this one go I, I, this might be our only chance to go to CooperCon. i think they might be running out <laughs> of uh time after this netflix documentary mm-hmm. yeah maybe that the Rackstraw, like, to me, just seems like more of, like, a con man more so than somebody who was, like, uh, the, is that exactly what uh, D.B. Cooper was? I, I don't know. Uh, like, the, this guy seems like that, you know, he fake, he tried to fake his own death, uh, Rackstraw, that he, they told the story about how he used to, like, call into, like, the Playboy Club that, hey, I'm Ronald Reagan's uh, pilot, and I'm coming in. Uh, and they would, like, you know, have, like, a whole thing, and he'd, like, wear, like, the, uh, like, pilot's jacket, and they'd, they'd put him, like, in the front row. So, 
I don't know. It just seems like that this is somebody who seems to know how to like play a part when he needs to. But to me, that doesn't sound like a guy who, you know, pulled off this heist and then disappeared for 50 years. Well, Rob, that does bring me to my favorite part of this conspiracy is that maybe Rackstraw is the con man you just described. And he is in cahoots with the lead investigator of all of this, Tom Colbert. Oh. Because, because we know he likes a good, a good scam, uh, just based on that Playboy story you just told. And he likes the attention. Could he be drawing this out to give Tom some relevance? Could they be in cahoots? Could he go into this? Is, this is the only thing that has Tom on this hunt is that Rackstraw is not ever categorically denying that it's him. Yeah. So imagine you don't really get Tom's book deal. You don't get the Netflix documentary. You don't get the partnership with the History Channel. Right. If you don't have Rackstraw saying, it could be me. Rackstraw has I don't know. to exist like me. for Colbert to have a case. That's very interesting because Batman and the Joker. Yeah. So, but 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 more inter- intertwined. Like the that you're like what you're implying is almost like that. Like the Joker is like back channeling. Like uh, you know, Batman is like, all right, be here at this time, and then uh, you know, I'm going <laughs> to tell everybody that uh, like what you're up to. But because, look, yeah, I'm just saying it's an interesting point. Yeah. I know I, 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 that I, I think that there's some merit to it because that we see like the confrontation, like these these um like video confrontation of Rackstraw is confronted by Tom Colbert and Tom Colbert is like offer to him is like, Hey, like we are going to work together, sit down with me. I have a cashier's check for $20,000. If you sit down, we will sell this. And it's almost like what better way to sort of prove that you do not have like a financial arrangement already in place than to confront him and air like the proposed financial arrangement. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. If if you can do this um, and like do like the double fake out, people are like, oh, yeah, he even offered him money. So he must be on the level. It's like, yeah, right. This guy's already getting paid. Mm-hmm. He's getting paid so that uh, to keep this going, you know. And so I think that's my favorite part of the conspiracy. Uh, I don't care who D.B. Cooper is. I want to know why Tom and Rackstraw seem to be in lockstep for a lot of this. Uh, like Rackstraw could have easily said, nope, I'm, I'm out. It's not me. And went on about his life. But he just gave Tom just enough mm-hmm. to be able to yeah. churn out four episodes of a Netflix documentary. <laughs> well, I don't know if uh, Colbert was the person who was like uh, financially benefiting from the Netflix documentary. That and that, like, oh, I'm sure you got money. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know because the, that the History Channel documentary was definitely his thing. This is a little bit mm-hmm. more unclear of who was the person who came in and did the Netflix documentary. Yeah, that's true. Because that History Channel thing, you know, that would really piss you off if you got it all lined up. The History Channel is going to take this and run with it. And then all of a sudden, the the History Channel brings in a lady who's like, no, Mm -hmm. it's not. Sorry, there's nothing here. We're not paying you. It's like, damn it. I had it. I had it. Me and Rackstraw, the long con was finally about to pay off. And then this woman just shut it down. Uh, And so, yeah, that that would lead me into a fit of rage as well. So I could see that because there was moments where Tom was losing his mind behind this. Uh, I think there was, he was talking about, oh, how he sat up all night investigating. He forgot how to type on the, com- on the computer. Like his well, wife had to put him in front of a TV yeah. to get his brain back. But, to work. Th- but that's like what happened to him when he was a kid. He was, uh, he talked about how it was like 1970. He was watching the Rose Bowl. And then he like uh, ended up like having like some sort of an issue where he went into a coma. Uh, and then 
Like they, they don't even know how he was alive. And then uh, like he kind of like after that, like he had to relearn everything. And I think that part of like uh, one of the things that was like important to him was his dad always reading the newspaper. And that's how he got into like uh, wanting to be like a journalist. That was like his touchstone that he kept coming back to. Mm-hmm. And then, like years later, this this uh mm-hmm. rack straw DB Cooper nonsense has uh you know pushed them back into that space. It's getting the best of them, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. It it, it was sad to see. Yeah. And so this was it was this was a fun watch. It was definitely a lot of information thrown at you, but it ultimately led me to believe that like you can't you have to protect your peace. You know, once yeah. this stuff starts getting bigger than the actual ca- the crime. You got to let it go because the truth is not going to set you free. Right. It's really not. One thing is for damn sure that the mm. legend of D.B. Cooper has done way more damage than the actual D.B. Cooper ever did. Right. That D.B. Cooper got that $200,000 and probably went back to work. <laughs> you know, like that like that guy's that guy's doing just fine, whoever it is. But D.B. Cooper, the myth, uh, you know, is out here living on and like I said, destroying lives. Mm hmm. That's right. Okay. It's probably not unlike a reality TV show uh, winners where, you know, like I, I've seen over the years, like the people like that are like the, the I, I think that have done the best, uh, like um, people like that have uh, normal jobs. They go on the show, they win, they're back at work. Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Jeremy didn't, you know, win Survivor and then, you know, uh, like move to Los Angeles and, uh, you know, start to be an influencer. No. He won the show yeah. back, you know, back at work, putting in his time, uh, you know, uh, working towards like uh, when he can retire one day. Uh, the people that yeah. like go on these shows, it's like, oh, I was so close. Like, I'm, I'm going to chase it now. Mm-hmm. And then there's also something to be said about letting the legend live on for itself. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there there are Survivor and Big Brother winners who have won and then they disappear. And because they won and disappeared, we like are able to almost talk about their winning and, and the game that they played in such a like, uh, high regard because it's so like it's so mysterious. Um, I don't want to pick on Danny Boatwright, but for years it was mm-hmm. like, oh, this Danny Boatwright, like y'all ain't, y'all aren't giving Danny enough. Then she comes back and plays again. We're like, oh, or mm-hmm. maybe another maybe let's just DB, talk about both sides, right? And Danny Boatwright Cooper, it's right there. Um, but the yeah, stealth you know, bomber. Let, literally, you know. <laughs> she she wasn't under the radar. She beat the radar, or whatever it's in. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I think it's something about just letting letting the legend live on for itself and just letting it do the work because you come back and play again and people start to say, "Huh, I don't know about this." Right? You know, maybe maybe it was more luck than anything. I mean, I saw a tweet about. Uh, a potential all winner seasons of Big Brother, and they were talking about, oh, who's going to be the one to win this all? And the 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 chalk pick right now is Lisa Donahue. And it's like, okay, why? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, well, I mean, why wouldn't she? And it's like, hmm, you're right. There are so many others where you'd be like, I'm not rooting for that person, or oh, I I've talked about their game enough. But Lisa, her game's just in the back, just chilling, ga- gaining no- notoriety. She's now the number one pick on the board. Mm-hmm. Be one hell yeah, of a draft. Let your legend live on. Right. Uh, yeah, it would be fun. I would like to hear it. All right. Chappelle, very mm. fun to get to talk about D.B. Cooper. Where are you here today? Yeah. Even though the show was a little bloated, uh, the podcast certainly was not. No, not at all. That was a good time. Thank you, Rob, for suggesting this one. Um, and then, yeah, uh, I think if you want more D.B. Cooper content, it's out there. So check it out wherever you want to get it. Start yeah. at the Cooper Vortex and then work your way around from we'll there. We'll see you all at CooperCon uh, this November. All right. 
Chappelle, what are we talking about next week? All right. So this suggestion came from our very own Puya. Um, he and I were talking and you and I were talking with him last week about uh, the uh, sex rooms. And Puya said that The Gray Man, which is coming to theaters near you, but also on Netflix, is something that he would want to talk about. And so coming this Friday on Netflix, we have uh, a shadowy CIA agent uncovers damning agency secrets. He's hunted across the globe by a sociopathic rogue operative who's put a bounty on his head Mm -hmm. in The Gray Man. Um, starring Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, um, and many more. And so that is what Puya wants to talk about. And if you're down, I think that's our next episode of Nothing But Netflix. Sure. I mean, I, I think that Netflix is... In te- we were like uh, looking through what's coming up uh, a little bit before we started recording today. And it looks like... I, I had to, If I had to guess, I think that Netflix really... They made a big bet on The Gray Man. And I think that they're not putting a lot else on next week. Uh, not a lot of big new debuts also uh, with uh, the gray man coming up. Like everybody mm-hmm. pay attention yeah, to they this. Wanna, they want to just make sure that we're all have our eyes on the prize. That being the gray man. Um, I, I think they, they, they want people to know that it's the most important thing on Netflix. I'm sure it will debut at number one, like many things do on Netflix as well. Um, but there are other things. They're just, um, you know, not as publicized and probably not as good. Mm-hmm. Now, the gray man works for the CIA. Do you think that he might know the the truth about D.B. Cooper? Uh, he's probably not at liberty to speak on it, Rob. And so, uh, you know, he cannot he cannot confirm that allegation. Now, he, he didn't say he couldn't deny it. Mm-hmm. But he definitely could not confirm that. And so uh, maybe we'll get some hints of uh, D.B. Cooper in the Gray Man documentary Mm -hmm. or movie. Okay. (laughs) Um, The Gray Man. Who do you think is the Gray Man? Gosling or Evans? I think Gosling gives me more of the Gray Man vibes, right? Mm -hmm. Like Evans doesn't feel like a Gray Man. Not to me. (laughs) Yeah. not He's not showing his Gray, if if anything. Um, Are you more Team Gosling or Team Evans? That's tough because Chris Chris Evans is like an American treasure, but Ryan Gosling hasn't done anything wrong to me. Like I'm, I've not been personally offended by anything Ryan Gosling has done. It's a tough one. Chris Evans probably wins, but it's it's a close race. Okay, all right, we'll see as they duke it out in the Gray Man coming up uh, this Friday <laughs> on Netflix. All right, Chappelle, what's coming up for you? Uh, I don't know. So this week, uh, I took a week off the Purple Pants podcast because we didn't have an episode of P Valley to talk about. Yeah, and so uh, P Valley took they off made us uh, wait. for Fourth of July. What happened? They don't respect me in the shows, mm-hmm. and so uh, me, Bryce, and Dr. Sharia Lloyd have not watched this week's episode because there was no episode. So there will be no Purple Pants podcast recap of that. Um, but I'm still hanging out here. I think I'm going to do something with post show recaps. Uh, in the near future where we talk about some um, uh, like some media stuff. I think they have like a new media podcast for patrons only. And so if you are uh, a patron of Poster Recaps, you should see that soon. And if it's not patrons only, you might see it too. Yeah. But subscribe to Poster Recaps to check that out. And Rob, last week, I was on the premiere podcast for the Bachelorette wrap-up. Yeah, that was and so surprising because I didn't think that you were a Bachelorette guy. I am not a bachelorette guy, but uh, I am team Haley and Amy. And if they ask me to do something, I will do it. And so uh, last last time we talked about the bachelorette, um, the three of us, I think uh, it was um, 
like uh, I think it was two seasons ago. And so they decided to have me back for the premiere because that's the easy episode, yeah. Rob. You talk about the premiere, you best just get to laugh at people season. and their interests. Right. It really, really is. And so uh, now don't get me wrong. There was some drama the last uh, episode of The Bachelor. Like that was a mess. But I ain't watch it, so I'll have to go back and do my research on that. But yeah, check out the Bachelorette wrap up um, good because season. I might come back. Got off to uh, a good start. I mean, there's an interesting twist this year. We have two Bachelorettes at the same time, and so they're vying for, like the the guys. Sounds are vying like for the Joe Millionaire to me for richer or a for little poorer. Bit, right? Yeah, is, I'm just saying. Is one of done. the women very rich? Uh, no, I'm assuming both of these women just are like are, are fairly like. They're they're fine, hmm. you know, financially. I don't know if either one of them are rich, um, but I, I foresee a lot of drama coming. They, Rob, there was twins on the uh, premiere, twin suitors, and yeah, twin suitors, and not to spoil it, but they were very very boring, <laughs> the most boring twins who ever existed. And I don't know if they will be on this season of The Bachelorette much longer. Not to spoil the show, but um, I heard they might be on Bachelor Bachelor in Paradise or whatever it's called very soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, not great casting if your personality trait is we're twins. Exactly. And they were twins that were not like, we're like, we're twins, but we're different. And it's like, oh, well, how are you different? Well, he's he's laid back and I'm more outgoing. It's like, oh, OK, but we have the same exact job and we live in the same town and we're wearing the same exact suit and we went to the same college. I was like, all righty. All right. <laughs> you know, let's go ahead and cut our losses here. But it was a good premiere check it out check out those two women because they're amazing and uh yeah i think that's all i got going on right now i'm sure i'm forgetting something but you know well, we heard this, from this you on me. this week's robin akivanita podcast this week as one of the 10 people uh, vying for the championship of akiva winnaker's dual intentions Yes, how could I forget? Uh, it was a very fun podcast. We got to talk about the movie Cruel Intentions, kind of, but we definitely got to compete uh, 10 people head to head, to head to head, to head to head, to head, um, to, to get the ultimate title of the the cruelest, duelist intention. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but it was a good time. So check out Renat for that. Um, Rob, that was a very, very like suspenseful podcast. There were like, like it Lots was of ups twists and, downs. and turns. Yeah. Twists and turns. There was high drama, and uh, you know there were tears. People, uh, people were left, um, you know, left at the altar in a lot of spots uh, where they thought they were going to move forward in the in the competition. So, mm-hmm. you want some drama? Check out Renap this week because it was a good time. Okay, all right. Um, you don't think that uh, DB Cooper is any relation to T Bird Cooper, do you? Now I thought about who that also while works this, in the airline industry. Hmm. Yeah. I, you know, maybe T Bird was uh, giving like the scoop back then. You know, she like maybe they passed this down. Maybe this is like T uh, Bird's like uncle or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have yeah. to ask her about it if she knows anything about DB Cooper. You think she does? Do you think this is like uh like like a uh, like a like, I won't say an urban legend, but do you think this is like one one of those things that like all like flight attendants probably talk about? It's like, hey, whatever happened? Like, what would you do if you got the note? You know? Yeah. I, I mean, I. You know, T Bird was uh, alive then. You know, I'm sure she like uh, lived through the like the story. Like it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Well, I think, man, we might have missed the mark not having T Bird on here to get her like exclusive, uh, you know, insight. Because I'm sure she's heard all the conspiracy theories. She's got all the drama, the gossip. Uh, she's probably on the message boards. I bet her she's been on the Cooper, uh, the Cooper Vortex podcast. We might have to ask. <laughs> I don't know. I think she's seen it all. Yeah. All right. Yes. Maybe she gets D.B. Co- Cooper for uh, talking with T-Bird. Add him oh, to the no, wish list for season three. I, look, 
it's I just think the coincidence is too strong that T Bird has nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just saying where there's smoke, there's probably uh Tom Colbert mm-hmm. <laughs> ruining his life. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think we need to text T Bird at this point. Like I'm, I need we'll to ask know. her. Okay. Chappelle, uh, great job once again. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next time to talk about the gray man uh, with Huya next week. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.